Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We jumped into this series this year. We really felt like, you know, last year we were kind of like, hey, let's just set all these goals, <laughs> right? And then, and then COVID happened, and we're like, oh, okay, well, let's not set any goals this year. <laughs> right? Am I the only one? And so, uh, anyway, no, but for real, I, I started praying uh, last fall, Lord, what do you want to do in 2021 and I, for, a church, for our church? And I really felt like the Lord is saying, I want you to focus on your culture as a church. And so we kind of threw a couple of words around, well, how do we identify that? And so we came up with this word, cultivate. And that's the theme of the year of 2021, cultivate. Not just cultivate our values as a church, but I would encourage you to cultivate the values of your heart. You cultivate the values of your home. Revisit your value systems. Kind of revision your life, right? Because last year we were like, 2020 vision. We didn't do that, but some people did. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that <laughs> just for that reason. But uh, I don't know. I'm just a little, uh, don't want to you know, go with the flow sometimes. So, but I really feel like that we cannot go wrong by working on the ground of our heart. And that's really what we're doing. That's what cultivate means, right? It means to work the ground. And so that's what we're doing. So we've jumped into this series. We're talking about our core values of a church. And so y'all that have been here, you know these. And those of you that have God, every time we get clear them, and some of y'all have been watching online, but, but first of all, we value the presence of God every time we gather and everywhere we go. And then we up day. We follow Jesus together. We value honor. We honor up, down, and all around. And today we're talking about God's power. We value power because, see, God is moving today. And some of you recognize that when you came into the room. Some of you recognize that when you pulled into the parking lot. You thought, I'm supposed to be here. Why? Because you know that God is still moving today. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about God's power. God is moving today. He didn't stop moving. And, and I think there's a lot of people that kind of think that, you know, once, once the Bible was written, then God just decided to quit moving. God decided to quit interacting with people. But can I tell you today that God is moving today. He is still alive. I, uh, when I was going to Bible college at Christ for the Nations way back in the 90s, I was, I was a, a security officer. Come on. I was a security officer at this building in Addison, and uh, had this, you know, 12-story uh, building to myself, you know, from like 6 to mid, six to 11 or something like that. Over. I'm having, and uh, there was a guy that would come in, an older gentleman that worked the night shift. So he took over. I mean, you guys know. Y'all know people that work the night shift. They just, they're a little, they're kind of on a different different playing field, right? And some of y'all work the night shift. I've worked the night shift. I know what it does to you. And so I worked up till 11, you know, enough time to get home and go to bed and wake up for school the next day. Well, there was this older gentleman that worked, let's just call him Fred. And Fred would show up at our building and I would give him the keys and kind of give him the rundown. This is what happened through the building, you know, wearing my like blazer and my badge, you know, my rent-a-cop costume. And so I would I would talk to Fred and he was there and, and I, I started just was like, man, I'm going to I'm gonna witness to this guy, right? I'm Bible college. I don't know the Bible. I've been serving Jesus. Just got needs to Jesus. And so I'm just like talking to the guy, kind of engaging him. I'm like, so I said, hey, Fred, I said, what do you think about God? And he said, I think God's dead. And I was like, God's dead? God's dead? He's like, yeah. 
I was like, I've never heard that before. He's like, I don't know how anyone could live that long. <laughs> I thought, oh, you're kind of missing it. But, but Fred, the reason why he thought God was dead is because he had never seen God move. In fact, the way that you know something is living is because it's moving, it's functioning. And listen, we at Overflow Church, we thought Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He's the same today, and he's going to be the same forever. God in the flesh, and he does not change. His ways, listen, are extremely powerful, and his ways aren't changing. He still moves today. He's still active. He's on the earth. Y'all okay? So listen, how is God moving today? So how? Okay, because some of you are kind of skeptical. Okay, you see Pastor. I've seen a few things in my life, right? I've seen a few things in my life, but but how is God moving today? What does he move like? Well, he moves just like he was in Genesis. We've been talking about Genesis a whole lot through this series, but it says this in Genesis chapter one. It says in the beginning, from the very beginning, look, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God, here it is. And the spirit of God was moving, was hovering, over the surface of the waters. What was the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit was doing then what he is doing today. What he was doing during worship today, the Holy Spirit is hovering in the room. That's how God is moving. God is moving through his Holy Spirit. It's the way he's always moved, and it's the way he's still moving today. See, we we are not hiding the cards here at Overflow Church. We are a Spirit-filled church. We believe in the Holy Ghost. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in praying for the sick. We believe the dead can be raised. Come on, we believe in signs, miracles, and wonders. And we're not hiding those cards. So you'll come in and like us for a little while, and then when you find out, you go somewhere else that doesn't believe in that stuff. No, we believe in the Holy Ghost. We believe he's hovering on the earth. We believe he's inside of you. We believe that there's fire inside of you. We believe that you can lay hands on sick people, and they're going to get healed. We believe that. We believe that God is moving today through his people. We value his power. We, we, we get this. We, we get this, that he is still hovering over the formless, over the empty, over the darkness. Come on, he's bringing order to chaos. Come on, he's, he's filling the empty, and he's bringing light to the darkness. Let me say that again. The Spirit of God is still hovering over the formless, the empty, and the darkness. He is bringing order to chaos, filling the empty, and bringing light to the darkness. He is moving today. God is moving today. And this is the thing. We've come to recognize this as overflow, as our name indicates, is that we cannot contain this God. That when we are filled with him, in fact, you know overflowing. You know how you measure overflow? Not by what's coming in, but what's coming out. So we are overflowing. Why? Because we're so full of the presence and the spirit of God that he's pouring out around us. And we're going to see this in a little bit in the book of Acts. It's like there wasn't any, there, there were times that there wasn't even any effort to be made or even prayers to be prayed or faith to be exercised. The Holy Ghost was just pouring out of them. That's the overflow. That's what we're going after. The Spirit of God is still hovering today. Now listen, I love that God gave us his word. Come on, if we, if we didn't have the word, we didn't have permission to do miracles. Come on, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't know the the authority that God has. We wouldn't know anything about God without the scriptures. You would have your experience. I would have my experience and they probably wouldn't line up. But I'm grateful that I have the word of God that teaches me how to live. But he didn't just give us his word. 
He actually gave us his spirit. Come on. And so the word carries his authority, but the spirit demonstrates his power. See, you've only seen God move because the Holy Ghost was moving. That's the only way you've ever seen God move. And let me say this about the word, because you've kind of got two camps, right? You've got the Bible camp and you've got the spirit camp. I'm like, well, the only reason why you can have the spirit camp is because the Bible camp. Right? That's where our permission comes from. So, so listen, he will never contradict his word, but he will empower us to live it out. So some, some know the word, but they've never experienced the word. And we love the word and we value the word. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, he's holy. Come on. He's not your spirit. <laughs> Come on, he's the Holy Spirit. That means it. Uh, hagios. Hagios, the Greek word, is this. It's, it's to be different, to be set apart, to be other than. So he's, he's, he's the uncommon spirit. That's why when you get in the room with somebody that's got the Holy Ghost, you go, whoa, you're different, right? There's something uncommon about that person. Why? Because they're possessed by the uncommon one. The word spirit is this. In the Hebrew, it's ruach. I'm getting that down, right? Ruach. What is that? Ruach is, is, is the wind. It's the breath. It's that same wind that blew in, in that upper room in Acts chapter 2. It's that same breath, that ruach. It's that same breath that God spoke and his breath came out and the earth was formed. It's the breath. It's the spirit of God. It's the holy, uncommon breath. It's, in, the, in the Greek, it's the pneuma, the pneuma of God. A current of air, a blast of air, a strong breeze. Again, what they were experiencing in the book of Acts. Have you ever, have you ever been in a, in a setting where you just feel the wind of God? Physically, I have. It's crazy. I love it. But even when I don't feel it, I know that it's there because the Word tells me. Come on. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, now, now Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not His name. Okay, I, I love Robert Morris said this. He said, the Holy Spirit is not his name. His name's not, he doesn't have a name tag, and it says, my name is Holy Spirit. No, Holy Spirit is his description. His name is God. His name is God, right? So some treat the Holy Spirit as less than God, right? They, they treat the Holy Spirit kind of like a, a, a cousin that shows up at Thanksgiving. We kind of treat him like Cousin Eddie, right? I think we got a picture of Cousin Eddie. Do we got a picture of Cousin Eddie? You got no, no Cousin Eddie right on Christmas vacation. He shows up. He's doing crazy things in the lawn, right? He's just, he's kind of out there. He's kind of weird. Some people look at the Holy Ghost like Cousin Eddie. He kind of shows up every now and again. Come on. He's putting stuff in the yard, right? He's doing stuff. Everybody's like, what is this guy thinking? That's how many people treat the Holy Ghost, that's how many people treat the Holy Spirit. So we, what we try to do is we try to soften him for who he really is, right? And so what, we, what, what many tend to do is they tend to ignore the Holy Spirit. They, they recognize God. It's easy. God the Father. Come on. They can look at Jesus and say, oh, we like Jesus. Good guy. Humanitarian Jesus. Right? That's all. Listen, if the, if the only way you know Jesus is a humanitarian, you've missed the point. He came, he came to seek and save that which was lost. And part of that meant that he would feed homeless people. Come on. But his, his agenda was far bigger than your social agenda. Come on. He's not a social Jesus. Come on. That was not his mission. His mission was to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy them. And poverty is one of those works. 
So to ignore it, so what we tend to do is we, we tend to embrace God the Father, we tend to embrace Jesus, and some tend to ignore the Holy Spirit. Listen, do you know that if you ignore the Holy Spirit, you're ignoring God? Let me say that again, because I don't feel like you got that. If you ignore the Holy Spirit, you are ignoring God. Whether it's a, a, a prickling in your heart, or whether it's what he's doing on the earth, you are ignoring God. So let's talk about this Trinity thing real quick. Let me unpack it for you because some we're like, oh, we struggle so much with the Trinity. Listen, the Trinity is not, it's not that complicated. We've made it more complicated than it is. We have all these crazy illustrations. This is the thing. The Trinity is this, one what, three who's. One God, three persons. Three distinct persons with three distinct different roles. One's not higher than the other. One's not more authority than the other. All of them have equal authority because they're all God. If you take one of them out, you don't have God. Right? The Holy Spirit. God the Son. God the Father. God the Holy Spirit. Three God. Now, now, some people believe this, and some of you might even believe this until this mo- moment, called modalism. And modalism is this, is that, that God is basically one person, and he demonstrates himself in three ways. So they'll say, well, he's like, he's like water. Sometimes water is vapor. Sometimes water is ice. No, he's not like water. He's actually three distinct different persons. So quit using earthly means to grasp spiritual things. Do we have that, do we have that picture right there? So when we talk about Jesus, Jesus is not the Father. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. Jesus was possessed with the Holy Spirit. Come on. Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. But together, they are God. So we're Trinitarian, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is not like a a B doctrine. This is critical because if you get away from the Trinity, you get away from the nature of Jesus, you get away from the nature of the Holy Spirit, you get away from the nature of the Father. So we recognize that God is one, three distinct persons, but without any of them. It's like a marriage, right? One what, two who's. God, one what, three who's. Okay? Y'all all right? So it's interesting that the first demonstration that God gives us of himself is in the form of Adam and Eve. The two shall become one. Right? Was it just one single person? No, it was one union, two people. So God gives us a beautiful illustration. This is, that's part of the reason why marriage is important. Your definition of marriage is important because it reflects the, an image of God. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I just felt it. I felt him. Who'd you feel? I felt God. I felt the Holy Spirit. And listen, the Holy Spirit rests on those that are his. So we see the Holy Spirit hovering over the earth, Genesis 1, right? Now guess where he hovers? In here. In you. Right? So in the Holy Spirit, uh, through the Old Testament, what we see in the, in the Old Testament is we, we see the Holy Spirit would come and visit, Right? He would show up, he'd show up in the temple, Shekinah glory, right, all this kind of stuff. He would come, he'd rest, he would leave, he'd come back and forth, right? We see this all throughout the Old Testament. But in the, in the New Testament, the Spirit, under the Old Testament, the resting of the Spirit was selective and temporary. But in the New Testament, in Jesus, he's imperative and permanent. Let me say that again because it went right over your head. In the Old Testament, the Spirit resting was selective and temporary. In Jesus, he is imperative and permanent. So it's not selective, it's imperative, like it's, it's critical. In fact, you can't even come to, did you know you can't even go to God without the Holy Spirit drawing you, without the Holy Spirit going, you need to serve God today. You know who that was? That wasn't the preacher, that was the Holy Ghost. 
The preacher might have been saying it, but the Holy Ghost is the one prick, pricking your heart, and you, and you decide whether you're going to be offended or respond to it. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will say something that's very offensive. It's called conviction. It's like, stop doing that. No, I want to do this. This is who I am. He's going, no, it's not. So the Holy Spirit is not an it, and he rests in those that are his. He moves. How does he move? He moves through us. He moves through you. So when we, when we pray for revival, I love praying for revival. I love revival. We embrace revival culture. We love it. When I pray for revival, I'm not asking God to drop out of the sky. I'm asking him to move through me. I'm saying, God, I will be revival because I'm revived by the Holy Ghost. Y'all okay? So how does God move today? The same way he moved in Genesis and the same way we see in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. This is the testimony of Jesus. You know that God, here we go, right here, the whole Trinity in this verse. Ready? Acts chapter 10, 38. You know that God, God the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Who anointed Jesus of Nazareth? The Father. With what? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus was anointed by his Father with the Holy Ghost. And with power. Where does the power come from? The Holy Spirit. Then Jesus went around doing good. We love it. And healing some. Oh, sorry. Healing how many? All who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. How was God with Jesus. See, Jesus, the reason why he took on flesh is he wanted to show us what life in the Spirit looks like. What it looks like to have a life surrendered to the Holy Ghost. Listen, if Jesus did it, other, other than the, being the sacrifice, final sacrifice, the way that Jesus lived is our model. Heal the sick. Free the oppressed. Come on. All those things. Jesus put that on you. So, how is God moving today? First of all, through the anointing. Oh, all of our, you know, charismatics that are 20 years in the game, right? We're charismatics. We love it. We love words like anointing because they sound spooky and mystical. Listen, the anointing isn't spooky or mystical. The anointing isn't something that lifts. It's something that remains, right? We say, oh, the anointing is lifted. No, no, no you lifted. <laughs> he never lifted. <laughs> he remains. The Holy Spirit remains. The, the, the word anointing means to smear with oil for purpose. When we speak of the anointing, we're speaking of assignment. Now, Jesus obviously had some a different assignment, specific assignments, but he did have the same anointing because he was anointed with what? The Holy Ghost, right? To anoint means to smear with oil. And because, listen, because you carry that anointing, you have an assignment to do the same things that Jesus did. The anointing means that you're assigned to do it. So Christ, the name Christ, when you talk about Jesus Christ, we're not talking about... Pastor Leslie had a teacher in high school that said that, that thought Jesus' last name was Christ. She said, Joseph and Mary Christ. <laughs> she didn't get it. <laughs> she didn't get it. Christ is his identity. Christ means the anointed one. So we see throughout the book of Acts, you know what they started calling Christians in Antioch? Christians. Christians isn't a bad word. It's a good word. You know what it means? Little Christs. You know what that means? Little anointed ones. So you don't have to ask for the anointing. You just got to function in it. You don't have to ask for the anointing. 
You just have to function in it. And some of you are too caught up. Oh, here we go. Some of you are too caught up functioning in your anointing and not his. This is what I like. I like the way this feels. This is so gooey, gooey, right? I like it. So, so you function in what you like. You're not functioning in his. So you don't obey the Lord. Come on. You never pray for sick people, right? Because you're just functioning in your anointing, not his. It's his anointing. Check this out. 1 John 2, 27. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. It remains. The anointing that was in Jesus. So you all okay today? The anointing that was in Jesus is in you. It's the same anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing of the Spirit. The Spirit of God smeared on your life. It's in you already. He's in you already. The anointing is in you. He's been smeared on you. Come on. So we get anointing. That's how God releases his power on the earth. And again, this is people are so weird. God's just bringing an anointing, a new anointing, right? Or like, what do you mean by that? That's what I always, when, I, when we throw around words like that. Because sometimes we just say things because we want to have language for stuff. But I think language is important and we should have the right language. Because I don't want to call, I don't want to refer to the Holy Ghost as an it or a thing or something that's spooky and mystical. Although he does spooky and mystical things, he himself wants to reveal his ways to us. It's very clear in Scripture. Paul prayed that. I pray that the eyes of your heart, that you would have understanding. pray that you would know these things, not that you would just kind of be left in the door. God's just so mysterious and mystical. Well, he is, but he's not, he's not, he's not far away. He's not unapproachable. He's not, atta- not unattainable, okay? So anointing means assignment. Number two is authority. Everybody say authority. So we have anointing. We have authority. Authority is the word, everybody say this with me, exousia. Exousia. Now you know some Greek, right? Exousia. Exousia is the word for governmental authority, okay? The, the police officers have exousia. They have delegated authority. Someone has given them authority, and now they are delegating it. When I was a kid, I used this illustration when I was in youth ministry, and it went right over the kid's head, and I knew that I was old. How many of y'all are old enough to remember the Dukes of Hazard? Not the one that came out in the movie theaters, but the TV show. Does anybody know what that is? I know that we got some people that are above millennials in the room today. Uh, Daisy Dukes, you know Daisy Dukes? That came from the Dukes of Hazard. Don't think about Daisy Dukes right now. There was a girl named Daisy that wore short shorts. So there was a character, there were the Duke boys, Bo and Luke Duke, and they drove the General Lee, that orange car that had that flag on it, going, <laughs> right? Probably need to change that. And there was a police officer in town named Roscoe Pico Train, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm probably not even probably saying it right. I'm just saying it the way I did when I was eight watching it. And Roscoe was like, the sheriff, but he was like a bad, he was kind of a bad guy. Really, the Duke boys were pretty bad, <laughs> but, but you know, they were kind of like, we like the Duke boys. So they had this thing that if they were driving the General Lee, because the General Lee was the star of the show, right? Their, their car, you know, their awesome, I think it was a Dodge Challenger or something. And so what would happen is they would, you know, get into trouble and then he would chase them. And they knew that if they could cross the county line, they would not be under the jurisdiction of Roscoe Pico train. So a lot of times on the chases, they were just trying to get to the county line because if they got past the county line, he couldn't arrest them because he didn't have any exousia on the other side of the county line. 
because his authority was delegated, but he had authority over all that was in his realm. Beloved, can I tell you today that you have the exousia? Check this out. John 1.12. We use this verse a lot. We love it. But to those who believed in him, Jesus, those that accepted him, he gave them the right. The old language says this, the power to become children of God. What is that word? Exousia. Did you know that you have governmental authority? That in the courts of heaven, you have the authority as a son of God. That's why you can function like Jesus did. Because you have, listen, on the earth, you have the same authority that Jesus did on the earth. Now, you're not the king of kings. Don't, don't get backwards. But you have the authority over sickness. Governmental authority. It's not because you've fasted. It's not because you've prayed or because you've been in this thing for 20 years. It's just because the smearing is on you to carry the authority. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. When you say sons, we're not talking about gender. We're talking about authority. And so you have the authority. Well, how did you get that? You were adopted. Did you know adoption is a legal process? In fact, I have a, I have a brother that has four adopted kids. And did you know that, that in the courts, he, they, they have more authority to their dad than my kids do to me because they've been adopted. There's actually a thing, a, a document that says these are their children and it's been ordered by the court. Did you know that when you're adopted, you're brought into the family, you're just as good as a son. In fact, it's not, you're not just as good as a son because you were born. It's actually written down in the courts of heaven. That you have exousia, that you have governmental authority, power on the earth. What kind of power? The power that Jesus had, the son of God on the earth. That's how Jesus went around doing good and healing all because God was with him. And guess what? God is with you. You have that delegated authority as children representing the Father's kingdom. Y'all okay? You're kings, you're queens. So we're talking about power, anointing, authority. And number three is ability. You need an ability, right? You might have, you might have been deputized. Come on, you might have been smeared. But you got to have the ability to carry it out. Right? And so what we do is we take strength finder tests and, you know, Enneagrams and all this kind of stuff to find out what we're good with, good at. Listen, that may be what you're born with and good at in the natural. But how many know that he put his supernatural on your natural to do things that you could never do on your own? And so check this out. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Now this is Jesus. This is like right before Jesus is going to go to heaven. You tracking? Right before he goes. This is what he says. So it's really important. Hey, Jesus is leaving us with his words. Before we have the scriptures. And he says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. He wasn't making a suggestion. It's not the great suggestion, right? It's a great commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. So when we talk about the Holy Ghost, we're talking about the gift of the Father. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but just a few days you'll be baptized. Baptized means immersed. Okay? Hovered over, consumed with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power, verse 8. You will receive power, there it is again, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You're a witness with evidence. That actually is the same word for martyrs, by the way. Witness. You'll be, able to, you'll be willing to die for me because you identify with the truth. Telling people about me everywhere you go in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So this is, this is Luke's version of the Great Commission. You're going to go out. Well, how are you going to do it? How are we going to lay hands on sick people and them get healed? I don't know how to do that. 
No, but you have this word called power right here. That word is dunamis. Dunamis. Everybody say dunamis. You know the word dynamite? That's where we get the word dynamite, from the word dunamis. Dunamis is explosive power. It's ability. It's ability to blow stuff up. <laughs> Come on. You got ability to blow stuff up. You got ability to blow sickness up. You got ability to blow up poverty. Come on. You've got that ability in you. Why? Because you're so good and talented and your DNA. No. Not because you have your DNA, but because you have his. So the, the, the word dunamis means it's the ability to perform. For the believer, power to achieve by applying the Lord's inherent abilities. You have the abilities that Jesus had. You have the abilities that Jesus had. See, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to give us fuzzies and feelings. We love that. We think, Holy Spirit, we think, just be with me, cover me. I have the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is how we treat the Holy Spirit, right? Kind of like a, like a comforter. And he is. He's absolutely a comforter. He absolutely will give you peace. But listen, the, the purpose of being baptized in the Holy Spirit isn't just so you can have a better day, but so you can help somebody else have a better day. Come on. And what we've done is we've taken the Holy Spirit and we've personalized him. We've been talking a lot about this during the series. And we, we've made him about our individualism versus really what we have collectively. And that is you need healing. Guess what? The healer's in me. Y'all okay? So he will give you fuzzies, warm little fuzzies. Oh, right? I had some today. I was like, you're worshiping. I was like, oh, yeah, come on. Well, little, you know, little, my eyes were getting kind of wet and. You know, it's this kind of weird thing happening to me, and it's fuzzies. I love all that. Fuzzies and feelings. But listen, those are just accessories. Those are just tinted windows. Come on. They're great accessories. I'm glad we get them. But they're not, they're not the main thing. You know, I, I, yeah. So the power that Jesus had was the same power that the church in the book of Acts has. So Jesus is having this conversation with Philip in John chapter 14. You can turn there if you want to. John chapter 14, Jesus is having this conversation with, with the disciples. And Peter, Peter uh, not Peter, but Philip pipes up and he says, Hey, Jesus, show us the Father and that'll be enough for you. Like, he's been seeing miracles. He's been seeing all this stuff. He's like, I just want a little bit more, Lord. He's like, if you just show us the Father, that'll be enough for us. And Jesus is like, hey, hold on, Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Is that saying that Jesus is the Father? No, it's saying that Jesus has the exact characteristics of the Father. As it says in John chapter 1, that Jesus is the fullness of God revealed. The fullness of the Father is revealed in Jesus. So Jesus is like, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he makes this statement. I'll tell you the truth. Verse 12, anyone who believes in me, and we love this, will do the same works I've been doing. Right? We'll do the same works I've been doing, and even greater works. Now, hold up, because some people say, we'll do more powerful things than Jesus. It doesn't mean more powerful works. It means greater in number. We, why? Because there's more of us. Right? Because Jesus clothed himself with humanity. He chose to limit himself in that way. Right? I'm a human. I'm showing you what it looks like for this little bit of time. Showing you what it looks like to be a human filled with the Holy Ghost right? And so Jesus is saying, listen, um, you can, 
where are we? Where are we at the verse? Greater works because I'm going to the Father. So now there's more of us in number. And so because there's more of us in number, there'll be more miracles. More miracles than Jesus performed because there's more of us. And we see tons of miracles in the book of Acts. So he says this, greater works because I'm going to the Father. Because why? Because I'm going to the Father. Because we know when he goes to the Father, what's going to happen? He's going to send the Holy Spirit. This is what he says in Acts. I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to fill you. And then what happens after Acts chapter 2? After they're there, after they're praying, after they're believing, they go out and they do the things that Jesus did. They're doing more things than Jesus did. Why? Because there's more of them. And he says this in verse 14. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. Other words, if you're carrying my authority, you have the authority that I had on the earth. If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Paracletos, someone to come alongside of you to do what? To empower you, to give you the exousia, and I'll also give you the dunamis. So you will have not just the authority of heaven, but also you'll have the power of heaven. And can I tell you today, beloved, he's already in you. He's already in you. Put the batteries in. Plug it up. You know, whatever. Turn, flip the switch. The batteries are in you. And they're fully charged. Fully charged. Flip the switch. Come on. So, we're getting close to the end here because we want to pray. We want to see some power today. Not just talk about it. Acts 5. This is crazy. Acts 5, chapter 15. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as they went by. Talk about overflow. <laughs> They're like, hey, if Peter's walking down the street, let's just, let's just kind of push our little mats out. Maybe his shadow will fall on them and they'll get healed. Was it Peter's shadow that healed them? No, it was the overshadowing and the overflowing of the Holy Spirit in, P- in Peter's life. So crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. They weren't debating on whether or not it was God's will. They weren't weren't concerned about any of that. They were saying, listen, we're concerned about one thing, doing what Jesus did, going around, healing. We're concerned about doing what Jesus did, doing, doing good, healing all who are oppressed by the devil. They were carrying the Holy Ghost. And they were all healed. Peter's shadow. I mean, that's like a miracle that I want to see in my life. Like, if my shadow is like casting and someone's up here playing on the stage and it just falls on them. It's not me. It's because I've been overshadowed. It's because I've been overshadowed. So it was really the shadow of El Shaddai. It wasn't, it wasn't the shadow of, of Peter. And what I love about the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, most books in the Bible, they, they, they end with this word, amen. It's done. In the book of Acts, it doesn't say that. Why? Because the book of Acts is continuing today. The book of Acts is our era Come on, this is, this is the kingdom era. We are in the era of the Holy Spirit on the earth through God's people. So when we talk about power and we say God is moving today, how is he doing that? Through us. See, God moves today by his spirit 
through his people. It's how he moves. It's how he works. And so instead of just asking for a move of God, let's be a move of God. Let's be a move of God. Power over sickness. Power over oppression. Power over bondage. See, some of you have been addicted to the same thing for 15 years. And I believe today that the power of God is here to set you free. I believe today that some of you that have sickness in your body that you've been carrying around, maybe even from birth, maybe genetic misfunctions, dysfunctions, I believe today that God is going to line those up today. I believe today that God wants to open wombs. You know, there's a rumor going around. There's a rumor going around that Overflow Church is the house of the open womb. I'm here to tell you today, the rumors are true. I'm here to confirm the rumor that God is moving today. I'm here to confirm the rumor this weekend, just a couple of days ago, just a couple of days ago, we had a a woman that was barren for years trying to have babies. And right over here, a puddle of tears as seed falls to the ground. And within days, she conceives. And I tell you, come on, just a couple of days ago, that baby was born. You say, well, why, why isn't it happening to me? I don't know, but, I, but, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I believe that God has given us the power, the Holy Spirit. He's the one doing the healing. I believe that, that the power is in this house. I do believe that there is something special that God called us to. I was, we're going to talk about mandates in a couple weeks. I was walking right back there, and God told me. We were praying for a woman who had miscarriage, and God spoke to me. He said, Overflow Church is going to be the house of the open womb. I said, okay. And we've been declaring it since then. Listen, some of y'all, it's a different kind of womb. Come on. Some of you are unfruitful in your life. Will you just stand with me? Listen, God wants to do something today. There's this story, one of my favorite stories in all, all the scripture in Mark chapter 8. It's this guy named Blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> I'll just keep talking about it. He's He's not Blind Bartimaeus anymore. He's just Bartimaeus now. And he would sit on the side of the road and beg. And one day Jesus came to town and he got Jesus' attention by yelling. It's awesome. Love it. That's why I yell sometimes. I'm like, Lord, I need your attention. He's like, you've already got it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? I want it more. Sometimes me yelling is just a demonstration of faith. And so he gets Jesus' attention. Jesus asks him, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And I think the Lord is asking that question to you too.